everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Happiness and Humans. My name's Matt Phelan. I am co-founder um, of a business called The Happiness Index, and I'm here with the amazing Ben. How are you doing, Ben? I'm very well, Matt. Uh, glad it's Friday. Glad to be speaking with you. So, uh, yeah. Um, ben, um, first question up. Um, before, actually, Ben, tell us, tell us, tell us who you are and what you do. First off, so we've got a bit of a bit, bit of a context about yourself. Yeah, Braille. So uh, I'm Ben Rainforth Gott. I suppose I've been working in the dark arts of uh, human resources for around about 20 years uh, now. Um, currently with Clarion Housing Group, um, looking after a myriad of uh, roles and functions. But my career spans a long time. Um, started off in an operational field, fell into HR, um, and have really worked my way through, uh, through HR, primarily as enabling businesses just to get rid of the jargon and the tea and tissues and just make it agile and focused and value adding for organisations. Uh, spent a long period of time here in the UK, equally uh, enormous amount of time in New Zealand across the Asia Pacific region. And I'm back here just over three years now on the on the UK soil. Brilliant. And Ben, I, I didn't I don't know if I told you why I invited you on, but I want to tell you in front of our audience, which is when we chatted, um, it's nothing bad by the way, don't worry. Ben looks worried, you can't see him, but he looks worried. <laughs> is when we chatted, what I found fascinating about you is that you are honest, vulnerable, um, and strategic and know what you're talking about all in one breath. So you clearly sharp in terms of where you're going and what you're thinking about but you really don't mind talking about when you've messed up or there's been problems or, or issues um and we're going to get into that because i want to because i know that you're happy to share that stuff so i want to talk about stuff that you've learned in your career but before we get into that can you share with us ben what what makes you happy oh that's such a broad question i suppose um what i look at that is probably uh multifaceted really so if i think like pro professionally what makes me happy is uh, probably supporting the development of the people that work within the team and just really growing their awareness and horizon and, and making them better HR practitioners. Uh, equally, challenging the status quo makes me happy when the light bulbs start popping at all levels of an organisation. Um, and then we can, you know, we get the realisation that actually HR is not really that complex. It's a bit of a common sense factor. So once we remove the jargon and uh, the BS from some of it and just remove the policy policing and just see managers and leaders really flourish around enabling their people. Uh, outside of work, lots of things, depends what day it is. Friday makes me happy because it normally means that I can go to the pub and sink a few beers. The first one yeah. never touches the side. Um, but just getting out about, love walking the dog. Um, happiest time for me ever. Thank gosh the pandemic is coming to an end as uh, flopping yeah. out in Bali on a sun lounger and just chilling out for a couple of weeks and uh, and reading a good book nice and why do you like you mentioned in there the development of your team's careers why do you care about that ben like it sounds great like i'm impressed that you said that but what what is it inside you what why do you care about that uh probably a number of things actually so i think i've worked for every uh shape and creed of leader known to man and uh, i've worked for some great people but equally i've probably worked for some not great people um, who I liken to the fact of uh, loving to take the cream off the top of the cappuccino and leaving you with the bitter bits uh, in, in the bottom. Um, so for me, um, what, I, what I always say within my teams and functions is, you know, there's no I or me, it's we and us. Um, and it's just about embracing people's creative minds and their aptitude for their career to, to grow and to develop and to learn. And it's just about opening the door and creating the opportunity. 
Um, but equally, because I'm getting a little bit old in life now with having, uh, you know, treaded the boards. I don't believe it. I believe years it. And, uh, in the HR function, it's about, you know, sharing and coaching the experience that you go through. And, you know, I'm, I've been very lucky that I've worked in a number of businesses and, and, and faced a number of challenges. And it's about just sharing that different uh, different perspective and a different angle and different view around how you can go uh, go about it um, and equally it brings me a huge amount of joy when people can get that self-satisfaction and the recognition for for the hard work and the dedication that they put in. No, and and to, to bring it back to your career Ben that's amazing amazing to hear and we have HR professionals that listen to, to the show from like literally studying at university through to um HR director some of the biggest companies in the world mm. and I'd love I'd love just to do a quick walk through your career like how you even got into HR like maybe take us through some of those peaks and troughs of experiences if you could just take us back to the beginning please Ben yeah so um as I say I didn't come in from what you would call a normal uh route so you know uh, CIPD and starting at the bottom and working my way up um I suppose if you go go all the way back I was probably one of those individuals that didn't really have a scooby what I wanted to do on leaving school um, my only aspiration was to flick out chicken and fish at 38,000 feet which I did so massive tick on the childhood ambition wait, wait. um but in the, what was that you are sorry and it's so quickly and it sounded so like just like the normalist thing but what did you say your biggest ambition was <laughs> So uh, for my childhood ambition, and I suppose it came from emigrating to New Zealand way back in the 80s, I was fascinated with flight attendants and aviation and, and sort of growing up, I'd always wanted to do that as a gig, much to the, yeah. uh, you know, the, no, you're not doing that as a sort of jobs, you know, from the parents and whatever else you're going to study. So, you know, I, I fulfilled that ambition uh, in the late 90s and I went out and have stomped across the Atlantic a number of times and worked in a metal tube and flicked out chicken and fish so which also taught right, yeah. me a lot of things uh, as well you know it talks you around how you unify with different people how you work collectively because there's nowhere to go um, at that altitude but equally it just gives you a, a grounding around the diversification of people that you've got and you interact yeah. with on a day-to-day -day basis so uh, when I got a grown-up job and uh, no offense to those people listening that might be a flight attendant kudos to you because it's a really hard job um, I sort of fell into uh, customer operations type roles and I, and I was in that for, for, for a long period of time. My transition into uh, HR or crossing over to the dark side, as some people refer, um, really came from looking and dealing with uh, customer complaints, customer dissatisfaction, whether that's Joe Public or uh or clients that we were servicing the the common denominator in a lot of that was was down to people there was a human factor that was associated with that so drilling down and around looking at that from a people component around are we giving people the right experience the right training are we holding people accountable do they know what they're doing was 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 quite natural so that sort of morphed into a bit of a business uh uh continual improvement program and then i fell into the fields of hr and uh, did what we do as HR professionals, which is get your framework and foundations from a legalistic perspective, uh, and then really morphed and moved. So, you know, uh, frontline from an HR business partner, uh, moved crossover into learning and organisational development to really round that out from a, from a talent uh, and succession and, and really core development activities. Um, and then I, I uh, decided I wanted to re-experience New Zealand uh, as an adult because I come back here in my uh, uh, annoying teenage years 
Um, so ended up back in New Zealand in, in 2010 and really diversified across business there. You know, HR is so transferable um, uh, that, you know, it's, it's a common application that you can apply to any organization. And just went from strength to strength. So uh, moved through into uh, regional head of roles up into some big organizations, HR directors, uh, and working across, you know, very complex, uh, complex businesses and organizations. Um, so yeah, earn my stripes, you know, I think you, you certainly have to uh, have to demonstrate that you're going to create good strategic value add. I think a lot of times in organizations that I've gone into, there's always a bit of that mm, HR question mark that goes on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, bringing that uniqueness around that we're not here as tea and tissues and to, to mop up from an organization, but fundamentally dial the morals back right across the organization that people cost a lot of money. There's a lot of investment that goes in and therefore the strategy and how we deliver HR as a service to an organization is pretty fundamental and equally as fundamental as, you know, your chief finance officers. So, um, yeah, I've I've certainly earned my stripes. Uh, Love what I do every day. No two days are uh, are the same Um, Mm -hmm. and people never seem uh, to shock me uh, in any way, shape, or form. Humans are very complex, and um, you know we have a little bit of a giggle on the side around uh, some of the weird and wonderful things that people do or try to get away with in organisations. Ben, um, you said a couple of things you said there. I just wanted to touch on a bit for, for to help our audience as well. Like you said, like as you joke, like some people call HR the dark side, and then you mentioned went from a commercial perspective, HR question mark. There is that sort of underlying theme sometimes isn't there it's sort of an unconscious bias about HR and sometimes a conscious bias then do you think it's a problem or is it is it something that needs to be addressed or is it just something that you live with do we need to change how HR is seen uh I would say yes but I would say HR is in the driving seat for that so what yeah. I'd say is, you know, no seat at an executive table is gifted. You need to earn it and you need to be credible and and, and challenge. Um, a lot of the times in my experience, HR can be a lonely place because you're not a peer equivalent across an executive team. You are the conscience of, you know, your chief executive or your managing director. Um, and you're having to make some difficult decisions. But equally, you also need a bit of a thick skin that if something goes absolutely peak-tong, it's normally HR's fault and responsibility to clean up the mess but equally yeah. if we do something amazing you know you sort of get a, a, a courtesy nod for for doing great stuff what i'd say is 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 you need to be commercial where i've got the cutting edge and well, no that's quite arrogant I'll reverse that out not the cutting edge but what I, I i'm very strong commercially so i can have a very strong commercial conversation around people investment from a cost perspective um, yeah. and therefore how we need to have more core focus Uh, around the people agenda Um, and that's how you sort of break that perception and it sounds like a really simplistic formula um, but there's two formulas that I take is one we need to de-jargonize HR we talk in a different language but actually we don't need to talk in that language it's yeah it it isn't relevant so the simplification Um, and then the second phase of that is around um, encouraging my functions and teams to work with the business and be inquisitive, ask questions, what are the challenges, doesn't necessarily need to be people challenges, but really get a deep understanding around what goes on from an operational perspective. And then the last bent of that is around um, just really sometimes having that, you you need to dial the people morals back in a number of conversations because often business goes forth, makes a decision, 
and you're sort of the last man standing or last woman standing in the room and you're like hang on a minute what does that mean for our people so making yeah. sure that the people orientation is part of that strategic plan strategic conversation from the outset actually yeah. means that you can right size and make a, a, a be 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 recognized for doing something commercial and value adding um but being agile you know i don't think any organization likes the stringent policing policing uh there's yeah. very few things um that you need to be very stringent about you know ma yeah. managing and mitigating risk of course um but be more aware of the environmental uh, contributors to things that are going on often means that you can tailor the outcomes or the recommendations for for an organization that that's beneficial for all and ben you, you used the star wars reference there so i'm gonna just put one back at you which is only they say isn't it only sith lords believe in absolutes and the one thing that like what i'm observing here that you do well is you know you're talking about like treating people well and being commercial i see people end up in either one of the camps where they want to treat people well but then they can't make the decisions that need to be made to protect the business or they sort of go to this other camp where they're all about cutting costs and firing people so that they can show to everyone else they can show to the cfo that they're a commercial hr mm. you seem to be able to do both at the same time yeah, you got any, have you got any advice for the people listening on because that is a really difficult balancing act from what i can see from the outside have you got any advice on that ben yeah what i'd say is you can't be in one or the other you've got to be absolutely down in the middle straight down the middle when it comes to it um and i suppose some of the, some of the angle and the factors that you put across that is is often organizations and sometimes the hr functions do become a little bit of that tea into shoes and the the go-to response and it becomes all about welfare Welfare engagement, you know, culture within an organization is hugely important, but it's hugely important that everybody is committed to that. Um, some of the factor that I put in is that, again, goes back that as organizations, we employ adult people uh, with yeah. roles and responsibilities, and we should create the autonomy for them to flourish and do the job that we encourage them to do. Yeah. So sometimes it's just about right-sizing what the perception is. You know, performance conversations is a prime example. You know, managers and leaders see it as a burden that they need to be driving that conversation, whereas actually you flip it around. It's yeah. the individual, the colleagues in the organisation that want to take a vested interest in their performance and their development, and therefore managers and leaders become the facilitator of the conversation. Yeah. So it becomes less onerous. And the commercial side of it, as well as going in around just challenging some of the OD principles around what you're doing for change, because you can only shift the deck chairs on the Titanic for so long, yeah. which is not going to result back in, you know, in any, any longer term performance. And I think if you, you're having the conversation where people do play a critical role in an organization and people, yes, do have a role description, but if organizations understand the capabilities across multiple roles in the organizations, you can move the capabilities around to fit with your new OD principles and how you want to operate and therefore retain more people, mm. which means you run down the liability of your redundancy costs. You increase your engagement massively because people yeah. are enrolled on an opportunity to develop. Um, and that merry-go-round of, oh, my gosh, it must be my turn because I haven't had an organizational review for 12 months. This is the type of stuff that, you know, strategically from an HR perspective, it's where you want to normalize or, or, or support a business getting away from. And therefore, any organizational change or impacts to the people should be should be about the operating environment primarily. 
um, and and better utilization of you know technology for deploying some services out. So what you I'm just trying to replay what you said to me there, Ben. You're actually talking about connecting the two from the middle, aren't you? Because you said your first sentence was you need to be in the middle of commercial and let's just put call it welfare for a second. Um, and but then your description is that you connect the two so that people understand that the dots are connected and they're yeah. all part of the same ecosystem. Is that absolutely. is that what you're saying there, Ben? Yeah, absolutely. It's almost the multiple hats or spending the multiple plates because it all yeah. comes, you know, the, the core factor is going back to the impact around the people and how you, you can create that as an advantage for the business. So better engagement around, you know, how how we move people around from from a structural review or how we allow people to have the autonomy to do their job and we re reward effectively um, moves away from that, you know, tick box exercise and, and often what can be a bit of that micromanagement feel um, that that we're imposing stuff. You know, uh, it's just about enrolling people to 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 come on the journey and. You know, that, has, that, that has major benefits downstream. You know, people engage with change a lot better. People yeah. feel that they're able to contribute to how an organisation can run more efficiently or effectively. Um, and, and the bottom line of that is just about building a natural, trusted relationship where, yes, people are accountable, they understand what they're doing, but equally they're, they're supported in uh, looking at better ways to, to engage on delivering what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. It's so fascinating that you mentioned about the ecosystem because we ha I have this conversation all the time because the Happiness Index is an employee engagement and happiness platform. Um, but I have to remind everyone every single day that we're not called the High Happiness Index, aka we will never have 100% happy staff. We will never have 100% engaged staff. It's our job to create the environment for that. We can't make people happy. No, absolutely. <laughs> As in you can't make a tree grow, you can just provide the envi the best environment you can for a tree to grow, but you can't make the tree grow, it has to grow itself. Yeah, absolutely, um, and I love that, and I love that, because it's true, you know, and I think the, the critical thing for me is around removing the unnecessary barriers to people, you've mm. got to take them down, and you know, and and, and, and you've got to right size them and sort of bring the people on the journey, but equally is about creating the right levels of accountability and controls through the organizational structure, um, you know, which then creates that natural equity for everybody and sort of removes the unnecessary levels of hierarchy. That's one thing I absolutely often detest within a business around you can't go knock on somebody's door because of the they're a director. Um, yeah. And that's just alien to me. I think that opens all policy and just, you know, if you've got trust through all levels of your functional structure and control down to your people anybody can walk in to yeah. you know up to my desk or drop me a note on teams or come and see me because that's the sort of environment that you know i like to create and the culture that i want to build around my function and you know and see people enjoy what they do on a day-to-day -day basis but also see the recognition for for what they do so ben you make it all sound really simple right um and everything you're saying makes sense to me but i to get where you've got to there must have been some mistakes that's helped you make and form what you're talking about here what take us through are you are you perfect ben or has there been some mistakes in your career there's been a few, there has been a few and i suppose how i'd caveat that is it's hard to make fundamental changes within the business and uh you've got to have a lot of managerial color courage to 
challenge the status quo mm. uh, and sometimes it works and other times it doesn't it's a little bit like marmite sometimes organizations love it and sometimes organizations hate it and i suppose some of the i suppose some of the mistakes that you make is, is probably forcing stuff too hard on an organization just because it needs to be done um you know like yeah. stringent time frames for getting performance reviews in and, and and just being a bit antsy around some of the information and that sort of rebuffs and come and, and comes back um i probably you know i have i would say i haven't made any critical mistakes within an organization i suppose where my where some of my reflections have come from from my learnings is around where you're potentially dealing with individuals where you've created what you would classify as a as a high circle of trust and openness um and then being subjected to sometimes what often happens too often with the with within senior roles of an organization being the end of the, the narcissistic outcomes that come through on that so um you know and that's to my detriment my lessons are is around sometimes you just need to dust yourself off because yeah. you can sort of go home and carry the weight of the world on your shoulders and that's been a life lesson for me um which has sort of played into sleepless nights and you know getting a bit wound up about other bits and pieces so through maturing through that is around some of those control elements and and just being a little bit more strategic and tactful around some of those courageous conversations but equally through through my days of consulting um you know i have gone into an organization we've agreed on a strategy they don't necessarily you know want to commit to that wholly or fully or they're completely against it <clears throat> and that's fine and i've worked, walked away from a number of assignments because where i want to bring that uniqueness through my skill and experience is actually creating a function and a control that is people-centric but is going to deliver value and if a, some, yeah. a number of organizations aren't ready for that which is fine yeah. you know and, and and that's not worth my you know my stress anxiety and putting myself on mute and the air <laughs> turns blue at times so and <laughs> um, this is actually a personal question ben you mentioned there it, it sounds like you've got better at switching off it's something that i've had to learn like i used to be uh, wake up at four in the morning worrying about mm. decisions I've made or whatever. It, it, any tips that, that you've learned throughout your career to switch off? Because just to share with the listeners, HR professionals are the unhappiest profession in our entire database. Mm. Um, and one of the reasons that it, we know in our data is HR don't, um, their happiness will slide if they don't feel their work is having an impact. Mm. Uh, the data shows out. But I also think, and this isn't in the data, this is my opinion, I also think HR people are aware of most of the serious issues to do with people, mm -hmm. um, and, that, and that can also weigh on them. So I just want to give the listeners context that, of stuff that Ben may have yeah. been through. Yeah. Any advice, Ben, on how, how you've dealt with that? Yeah, and I suppose the thing is, is you know, and it, go, it goes back to a number of businesses that I've worked in around, you know, sometimes when you're dealing with things that have a critical impact to people's life or well-being you know that plays on your mind where you're getting phone calls at early hours of the morning because you've you've had an incident or an accident on an operational site um, all the way through i suppose how i've got to it is i think quite naturally you need to uh you need to find find in your own mind that actually we as hr professionals aren't the critical decision makers of an organization we provide the advice and the guidance to the best of our ability 
Um, and hopefully, most of the time, the organisations take that advice and guidance. Um, but often when they don't, and it turns a bit cataclysmic, you, you're there to recover. Yeah. Um, I think you do, you know, every HR professional will will recognise this. You do have to have a thick skin um, because it is a tough gig and you are dealing with multiple things at multiple layers. Um, for me, switching switching off outside of work is, is probably just moderating my time and energy around where I know if I've had something very big and critical, whether that's a, you know, a, a detailed investigation into something that's not great, uh, mm. of making sure that I cut that out within my work diary that I've got a couple of days after that. So Fridays for me are a bit like a, a selfish day where I have a bit of decompress and I go through my emails and I and, and, and I just plan my diary that way. So I think we have yeah. the luxury for that. Um, but yeah, I suppose it's a good question and there's no magic formula. I think you, you need to create your own sense of humour when you work in HR and I <laughs> certainly have that. You know, people do weird and wonderful things and, um, you know, you've, that sort of brings a little bit of, you know, uh, not joy, but you can sort of have a giggle around some of the silly things that people do and, and, and finding that mechanism. But the other thing I'd say is, you know, reaching it out through wider HR support networks and having like-minded HR individuals. That's been the big thing for me. I've got some great, you know, very senior and experienced HR professionals where I can pick up the phone and we can have a, a good old chin wag and a, and a decompress at the end of the day. Um, so you've got to find your own strategy is what I'm saying. Um, and you can't carry the burden of, of, of the world on your shoulders. Unfortunately, we do deal with some horrific things, you know, where employees and colleagues have, have got terrible illnesses and they've exhausted sick leave and there's nothing else that you can yeah. do. And there's the whole number of factors of that, but you then also need to put the head mode back into, in, into play that, you know, we as individuals and everybody has to have contingencies outside of work yeah. to prepare and prep and there's sometimes only so far that we can go so it's that heart but with the head on the shoulder as well no it's tough um, i'm sure everyone listening is and then i have a little colloquialism but i won't use the, the the full terminology and what i say to to my team is sometimes it's about dissecting what it is from an impact perspective and if it's nothing too scary and it's nothing that's going to cause any risk or major concern for an organization then you take that stuff you slide it off your desk and you pop it in the effort bucket and you just park <laughs> it for another day because um you know yeah. sometimes you need to do that as well yeah no that's su such good advice ben and big, biggest surprise in your career gosh um that's so broad i suppose what have i been per perplexed with in my career i said i suppose sometimes i am often perplexed by huge earning potential when it stacks up against ability that surprises me a lot um uh i suppose some of the other things that surprised me is just and, and to capture that does that mean that in your career you've you've weighted the stability above a, 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 a wage packet you could personally earn is that what you were saying pretty much yeah, yeah. so you know you sort of see everything when you're in hr and you see some pretty yeah. hefty salaries and you're like Whoo! um you know from from that rounded leadership perspective i suppose that's where the yeah. angle that i'm coming through um i suppose i've been surprised in some organizations and 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 um areas that i've worked in just at the significant level of narcissism that can be played out um uh, but equally 
I find it fascinating. You know, people are fascinating. And, and for me, that's a personal challenge around trying to find the in with those individuals to sort of like turn the dial. And if we can get a little glimpse of the light bulb going on, that's that's a great factor. Um, but I suppose the biggest surprise is around HR in itself from a number of functions thinking they are the ones that need to be doing the do. And actually, yeah. they don't. They, you know, functionally, we need to be providing the framework, the advice, the information and the guidance to enable managers and leaders to self-serve. And we therefore become the subject matter expert that helps co-support those conversations. Yeah. That's been the biggest surprise. And that, for me, is the biggest value add around getting out of that transactional activity into enabling activity, um, which is probably why I've, you know, still in the field um, and, and doing what I do. Wow. Ben, um, last question, because um, I've absolutely peppered you with questions here and you've been brilliant at answering them all. I'm going to take you back over the Atlantic. You're, you're Ben now. Um, you're you're on a flight. You let's 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 pick Miami. You're off to Miami, and you're the young. The, the no, I was going to say young Ben. He's still young Ben now. But the Ben <laughs> of that, the Ben of that Ben, just comes to serve you uh, in your seat, and and actually asks you for one bit of career advice. Yeah. And he doesn't recognise you. Uh, you've had a different different haircut, but he just he knows you work in HR because he had a little chat on the flight, and he says. Ben, um, any advice um, yeah. from, from your career? What what advice would you give that, Ben? Oh, I would say you should never be afraid of shooting for any career or opportunity that you want to go for. And it takes effort and it takes determination and it takes grit. But if you've got the passion and the motivation to do what you want to do, um, you need to be prepared to sort of ride the knockbacks because you'll get quite a fair few of them. Um, but equally moving into the field of HR, just embracing every opportunity that you go through, because at the end of the day, we're dealing with people and organisations and people are complex. So yeah. often putting some life skill and experience and having some empathy with a little bit of humour and a challenge uh, into what you do will get you where you want to go. Um, and, um, you know, it's going to be a bumpy ride. It's almost going to be like the seatbelt signs come on because it's going to get a bit turbulent. Um, yeah. You liked a bit of turbulence, so ride it out because that's also going to bring you some joy um, joy as well. Wow, Ben, thank you. Great advice to the other Ben there. And, yeah, Ben, I just want to say thank you so much. I've learned, I've learned loads. And if I can just encapsulate all of that to anyone um, any, of any seniority to – if they can keep the the humanness that Ben's kept in in the seniority of the role he's in is the thing that I've took from today, which is you've got this senior job title and all this kind of stuff, but you sound like not too different from the Ben that we were talking about before. So Ben, just want to say thank you. Thank you. I know you're a busy person, so thank you for your time. Absolute pleasure. Great speaking with you, Matt.